Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to talk about the state of the Jets with a gentleman who has some very spicy takes lately, kind of blew up on Twitter, but he made a lot of great points. And I thought, especially considering the fact that he's not only a lifelong Jets fan, but a former NFL player and a player who used to play on the offensive side of the ball, it'd be worth talking to him and seeing what he thinks about what's been going wrong with the Jets and how they can maybe go about fixing it. Chris Mano, who was a receiver for the Hofstra Pride, was somebody who was a walk-on at Hofstra, ended up earning a scholarship. Wayne Corbett comes to mind when it comes to talented Hofstra-wide receivers, and then went on to the NFL where he spent some time with the Kansas City Chiefs. These days, he's working with athletes and performance training. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, it's a pleasure, man. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I appreciate the good banter back and forth all week. You're absolutely right. It's been a crazy one on social and it's been a crazy one on the field for our boys. Chris, let's start with what's gone on with the Jets on the offensive side of the ball. And you talked about how a lot of people have focused in way too much on Zach Wilson. And I tend to agree. I think we would both see eye to eye on the fact that Zach Wilson certainly hasn't been good enough. He hasn't played to the level of somebody who was drafted at number two overall. He hasn't really even played to the level of a quality starting quarterback. That said... 
I think the blame has been put on him far too much, and we saw what happened with Tim Boyle, obviously. Not that Tim Boyle is anything special either, but one thing that you and I have gone back and forth about is the fact that there are so many flaws with this Jets offense that barring a quarterback who is at least a very good starter this offense was doomed to be far worse than anybody expected. And I think part of that, too, is that Jets fans overrated a lot of the position groups. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen here in terms of what's gone wrong and how it's gone far beyond the quarterback position this year. Yeah, well, just like you said, um, obviously he can't be completely let off the hook. A number two pick is expected to pay a certain way. We're watching – C.J. Stroud every week now, just go bananas with what seems to be like no help, right? But um, just the, the backlash this kid has gotten from day – I think like we kind of right out the gate, he didn't get too much time to make a mistake. I mean, we went into this season with the idea, and I think everybody was on board with it, and I think we did see some well, – you think about it, Look, Zach Wilson came into this year with the expectation of I'm not going to play. Okay, now I get it. Everybody, if you're a backup player in the NFL, you need to be, you can't think like that. You need to be prepared to jump in at any point. And I guess I see even that I put on the Jets because I think the Jets should have had him as a third, as a third string quarterback. If what you want is him to come in, have his idol teach him how to be an NFL quarterback, because that's not something he's gotten from anybody since he's been here. That's not some help that he's getting from the Jets coaching staff or the Jets front office. Like, uh, I think, and I've said it before, man, I think he's put in a position that maybe five guys on the planet Earth could have salvaged into any modicum of success. And their names are Brady, um, it's Brady, Mahomes, Rogers, Allen, and maybe Burrow. But I don't think you're going to see much success from anybody back there. There's just too many things that you have to overcome for it to be completely laid at his feet and look, I got into it with a million people over the week that's just unfairly, just the expectations of him for what you know you were asking of him initially this year is just uh, absurd. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, I want to talk a little bit about the Aaron Rodgers part of this equation. It seemed to me, and I was saying this all offseason, that the Jets' plan apparently was, yay, we got Aaron Rodgers. And they didn't really make a whole lot of changes other than that in a positive way. The receiving core, even before Corey Davis retired, a lot of us, myself included, were arguing that they needed another weapon. And then you look at what they actually did. Hardman didn't even get a chance to do anything before he was shipped out of here. We saw that Alan Lazard was exposed entirely once Aaron Rodgers wasn't here. They brought in Dalvin Cook, who a lot of us warned wasn't the same player anymore. And the offensive line... Yeah, they got Mekhi Becton back, but you knew he was coming back after missing two years due to injury. Elijah Vera Tucker coming back off an injury. Now, he didn't have a history of injuries, but still, you had to be a little nervous about that. You also had Dwayne Brown, who's 38 years old, and coming off a really serious surgery. So it felt like they didn't get enough reinforcements. I know they went out and got Wes Schweitzer, and they did draft Joe Tipman. But it felt like their answer depth-wise at tackle mostly was drafting Carter Warren in the fourth round and signing Billy Turner, who's one of the worst tackles in the league, when you've got two tackles that are major injury risks. And again, at wide receiver, it felt like beyond Garrett Wilson, they just didn't have enough to really be a true contender the way that they were saying that they felt they could be in 2023. Tell me a little bit about what you think here, because it feels to me like they thought that Rodgers was so good he would elevate 
everything, including a subpar offense. And as soon as he got hurt, they got caught with their pants down and didn't know what to do, which also extends, by the way, to the next part of this, which is the backup plan for Rodgers. They went with Zach Wilson, who they said they wanted to redshirt for a year or two. All of a sudden, they're shoving him in there after he had gotten booed off the field at the end of last season, a couple days before Christmas at MetLife Stadium. And now they've got no real backup plan at quarterback. It's just Zach Wilson, who they told us was broken. Tim Boyle, who's never done anything. And then they later signed Trevor Simeon, who they had to bring off the couch and got beaten out for the backup job in Cincinnati by Jake Browning. Look, I think this falls more than anybody in this organization on Joe Douglas. The great Joe Douglas, who's continued to get a pass after pass after pass. Joe Douglas, for the most part, is kind of living, I think, off of one phenomenal first round. I mean, granted, he's grabbed a couple of gems here and there um, at, in the lower rounds. But look, the job of a general manager is to assemble a, a roster top to bottom. Like, it's not assemble the first 25 guys and then whatever happens after that happens after that. When we're talking depth, that's that's the biggest culprit. Joe Douglas is the biggest culprit, man. When you come into a season – Penciling in a 40-year-old almost tackle who wasn't sure if he was going to play again last year, who's coming off a preseason with no pads, and you immediately feel comfortable with him being the backside protector of your, your franchise quarterback for the next couple of years. That's a massive problem, right? Like you said, Elijah Vera Tucker coming off a year where he missed substantial time. He's not very long off a major injury. For him to, to go down is not, you know, not the biggest shock in the world. And Makai Becton, who I love his offseason story, I'm rooting for him so hard to figure it out. I love the nuts he's showing, trying to get himself back in there, trying to play right away. Look, I, th that's something I don't think any of us – I don't think we saw that heart in him a couple of years ago. We were ready to give up on him. I talk a lot about Makai Becton, man. He's been – I've liked him a lot because he did something that's incredibly hard. If you're from New York, you know, once this fan base turns on you – it is very, very, very hard to get them back. And Makai Becton did just that. But yeah, when you pencil in these three guys to, to play such a substantial role on your team, that, that falls on you. The backup quarterback job, that falls on Joe Douglas. Um, the trade deadline, that falls again on Joe Douglas. This team was alive at the trade deadline. I mean, everyone wants to, you, uh, the big the big guy is Josh Dobbs, right? Everybody, Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs. Zach Wilson stinks. Look what Josh Dobbs did. Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs. And granted, Josh Dobbs has played great, but he was out there for the taking, right? There was a bunch of guys out there for the taking, and Joe Douglas sat on his hands again. I mean, what is the point of compiling draft picks when you're not going to pull the trigger? And that's the, I mean, look, I don't, that, this is a bar, uh, sidebar, but just as a New Yorker, I watch it happen with the Knicks all the time. Right, we're, we stockpile, stockpile, stockpile these draft picks, and it sounds great. The the Jets have this many picks and that many quality picks, and it's like, guys, that's not what they're here for. We gotta we gotta pull the trigger at some point. And so now we're on. I think it's year four, right? And we're we're in the same boat, man. This guy took over a four win team and turned it into a seven win team in four years with an extra game on the schedule. So I mean, you you guys take that for however you will. If you think he's been phenomenal, that's you. But I I don't see how he continues to get. Mulligan after Mulligan, and it's not going to change this year. My my thought process from everything I'm hearing is, you know, we're coming back with the same regime next year. So um, I don't know how it changes, but yeah, I, I think depth of a roster and a roster composition falls solely on the GM. Unfortunately, it doesn't just end with the GM. There's there's far more to worry about with the Jets.
as a former professional wide receiver, you've gotten to take a look at what's going on with this wide receiver group. And you've been somewhat critical of Garrett Wilson and fairly, I might add, because while you've pointed out, like we all have, that Garrett Wilson is an excellent talent. He has had his fair share of hiccups over the last couple of weeks that would make you say, even though he has the potential to be one of the best receivers in the league, he's not quite there yet, and he's got to iron those things out. But beyond him, there's really nothing. We all know that Alan Lazard hasn't been able to do anything, and then you've got a bunch of undrafted free agent wide receivers. When you watch the tape, are you seeing what a lot of us are seeing, which is you'll see these still photos that people put up and say, look, this guy's open, this guy's open. But when you actually look at what the route is and when you actually look at something beyond a very short screenshot, what you generally see is a lot of these receivers are not really getting open. Now, obviously, there are times where they do, but the majority of the time it feels like they're getting open far less frequently than the receivers on most of these other teams tell me a little bit about what you've seen with the wide receivers and then talk a little bit about the coaching staff especially Nathaniel Hackett when we're talking about offense and then also obviously Robert Sala who oversees all of this right well starting with the in the wide receiver room obviously look we did I I do and I got I think it kind of came off the you know what I don't care I don't think it came off the wrong way I've been I've been very critical of Garrett Wilson and understand, though, that I'm critical of Garrett Wilson because I think Garrett Wilson possesses the skill set to be the best receiver that's ever put a Jets uniform on. Like if Garrett Wilson was an average player and he came in and did average player things, I wouldn't be hard on Garrett Wilson. But Garrett Wilson possesses the tools to be mentioned amongst the best receivers in football, right? Aaron Rodgers himself, how many times have we heard this 17 reminds me of a lot of another, another 17, right? We talk about it all the time, Devontae. We talk about, I mean, these are the best receivers in football. And Garrett Wilson came in with a, obviously, with a quarterback situation that wasn't ideally conducive for him to succeed last year. And he went bananas. He did great. I see a guy who is dropping a football a week and he's fumbling the football, which to me is a lack of focus. Is, and he's, he's had opportunities to make plays that if you're an elite receiver in this league and you want to be mentioned among the best in the world, you make these plays more times than not, right? I think quickly, I, I immediately think about, I mean, obviously he dropped, he T-Rex armed the slant against the Raiders, right? He dropped the ball on the two that Zach Wilson, I mean, I hate to say it, he dropped it in and he couldn't have put it in Garrett Wilson's arms any better. At about the four yard line in a soft zone, like right in a window before the safety had a chance to get over, I get it. Tough catch, man. Super, super difficult catch. But you want to be the greatest in the in the world, you make the catch. Jamar Chase makes the catch. Devontae Adams makes the catch, right? Cheetah makes the catch. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I see Stephon Diggs get smacked every two weeks making a tough catch. J, uh, Justin Jefferson makes the catch. And, and I think where it came off wrong is like I'm dogging on Garrett Wilson, but I'm not dogging on Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, look, you, I work with athletes a lot. And I tell them, look, I've seen you be great now. I can't accept anything less than that. Garrett Wilson has put down film in two years that have given all of us uh, the optimism that he could be amongst the greatest in the league. And I think all of us still feel that way. So when he doesn't perform like he could be amongst the greatest in the league, then then it's it's something that's got to be mentioned, right? Um, uh, Zach Wilson's getting dogged every week, rightfully so. He's not playing great. But think about how much better his numbers are if his wide receiver room doesn't drop 21 footballs in 10 games. It's like, guys, I, you, I think everybody is, is, is kind of taking what I'm saying and misconstruing it just a little bit. But look, as a guy who's played some wide receiver, 
Of course, any team I've ever been on, these are drops. They're not giving them drops for things that aren't drops. It's it's that at that level, man, the ball hits your hands, two hands. I mean, I don't care if it's not a perfect football. More times than not, you better come down with it because there's 150 of those jobs in the world, and you have one of them. So, yeah, I mean, 21 drops or so in 10 games is just unacceptable. And the guy who's, you know, and look, they're, they're, it's second in the league to the Chiefs who have a terrible wide receiver room. I don't think anyone would argue that. So, yeah, I mean, look, Lazard, um, we brought him in. He's He was the product of, and I think his contract is the product of, A, obviously Aaron Rodgers. They signed him before Aaron committed to being here, but I think everybody thinks that there was something in the works. But, look, I went back and looked at that free agent class last year. I mean, it was really led by, like, a. it wasn't a huge wide receiver free agent class. So the same as people want to kill Alan Lazard right now for for playing, playing subpar, uh, you know, pertaining to his contract. It was a real weak class, so I could look. If I'm going to kill Joe Douglas for when he screws up, that one I can't be too hard on him, man. That one there makes sense. You want to make Aaron Rodgers comfortable. You want to bring one of his guys in who's played fine in his career. I, I was cool with that one at the time, so it'd be it'd be hypocritical of me to get on him about it now. But yet he's got to play better. Uh, we heard Robert Saleh yesterday finally maybe seeming to take put to to hold his guys accountable for um, you know, he said Alan Lazard's going to be here for a year and a half. You know, breaking news, the guy's got a four-year deal. So <laughs> I think that tells us what uh, kind of where he sees him standing. If he's just trying to send a message, then great. That's what I think Robert Sala's been missing. Robert Sala, he's, he's, a, he's a cupcake, right? He looks cool running the stadium steps. Guy looks like a, like a gladiator out there. I love, I love it. But, I mean, as of right now, he's shown me nothing more than he's a glorified defensive coordinator. So, I, you know, it, we'll move over to that when you're ready. But, yeah, man, I think I think – you're getting what you expect to get out of your wide receiver room. Right now you're dressed three undrafted free agent rookies with less than a handful of combined catches going in the last week. Obviously it makes Garrett Wilson's job harder. Obviously I've been hard on Garrett Wilson, but again, put a bow on it. It's because I expect great things out of Garrett Wilson. I'm not hard on, you know, the bottom of the roster players because I expect them to play like bottom of the roster players. So Garrett Wilson has shown me he has greatness in him. So go be great. I think it's a similar situation with Brees Hall, which is why Robert Sala kind of took a swipe at him a little bit the other day in the press. And I have mixed feelings on that. On the one hand, you have to wonder what the locker room is thinking that Robert Sala spent 10 weeks basically shielding the body of Zach Wilson only to come and say something about Brees Hall. But on the other hand, you saw Brees Hall's response on Twitter where he didn't seem bothered by it. And also, there is something to be said for the criticism of Brees Hall the same way that there is criticism of Garrett Wilson. You expect more from Brees Hall because he is a special talent. But as you've seen and as Robert Sala pointed out, it feels like there's been some concentration issues because he's trying so hard for that home run play particularly you see him drop a pitch you see him dropping some passes out of the backfield he needs to focus on the basic stuff in addition to focusing on making the home run plays so I get the criticism but I also understand why it might rub some people the wrong way what do you think about Hall and Salah's criticism of him so I think Hall is going to be fine man we've seen him in there he's shown us things that you know 95% of the running backs in the league aren't capable of doing he can do the little focus things, I can fix those. I'm not stressing too hard about those. The problem with the solid thing is, see, as a coach, I think there's two there's two uh, frames of thought. Like, one, I say, 
if you come in screaming out the gate, you know, and just yell and F this guy and yell and yell and yell, it's, it's very hard for players to respond well to that. With that being said, I do think there's something to be said for if you take the time and you build up trust and you build up a good relationship with your players, it almost gives you the freedom to rip a guy, right? Mike Tomlin, if you're coming off the field and Mike Tomlin mother Fs you, Mike Tomlin, you know he loves you and it's coming from a good place. And Mike Tomlin has earned that right. See, what Robert Sala, what's tough is as a coach and a player, you can't, you cannot come in soft, 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 soft. And when things get hot, flip the switch and become a hard-ass coach. It doesn't work like that. The opposite, I think you can do. I mean, we've seen a guy like Tom Coughlin be like this. We see a lot of hard coaches in the past who are hard, who are hard, who are hard on their players. And then, you know, when they've earned the right for them to kind of calm down a little bit and treat them a little bit more kind of like peers, they find success with that. It's, it's something I don't think that works the other way, though. Like players already, Robert Sala, it's like, it's like you know, stepping in cement. Once the cement is dry, there's no change in what you, like the players already think like this guy's not going to say anything to me in the, about me in the press. He's going to handle it behind the scenes. So when you try to be, you know, Billy Badass in the press now and start calling your guys out after two years, the players say, wait a minute, what the heck is this about? Like you've always handled it differently. Don't change your stripes now. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I'm Again, I'm not a big solid guy. I think there's a million things that he's, I mean, everything from the undisciplined penalties like, look, I, I was I was joking about everything on, on Twitter. Every time something bad happens, I would I would say at the end, blame Zach, right? Uh, defense is phenomenal. There's no no question about it. Defense is one of the best defenses in the league. But they often don't show up for a quarter and a half, right? So when you're putting a guy like Zach Wilson in a 7 nothing hole right from Jump Street, that's not the best way for your team to succeed. So, look, coming out of the gate prepared and ready to play at the opening kickoff, what happened on their special team, their first play, like uh, with uh, Gibson uh, a week or two ago, right? He fumbles the opening kickoff, right? Team's not ready to play. How many times have they gone down in the first quarter and put, you know, put a crooked number up on that Jets defense, not ready to play? How many times have the Jets supposed to have gotten off the field and take a dumb, undisciplined penalty? That falls on Salah. How many times has Zach Wilson, even if it's a handful, made a play and an offensive player do something silly from a chop block to, to a, you know, a, um, bad illegal formation that blame Zach blame Zach but guys that's on the coach right stuff like that is on the coach it's it's his job to have these guys ready at kickoff it's his job to have them not make undisciplined undisciplined plays and I know I mean look I watch uh, being in New York I'm watching Tommy DeVito right and I'm watching again Joshua Dobbs and they're saying why are these guys having success why are these guys having success and Zach can't he sucks he sucks but I watch Tommy DeVito come off the field and I see his head coach come over to him and sit with him and fix stuff on him. And I watch Kevin O'Connell help Josh Dobbs through any hiccups he's had so far. And then I watch Zach Wilson come off the field and I see him sit at the end of the bench by himself and maybe a player comes over and gives him some encouragement, but more times than not, he's staring up in the space. Look, if he's, he's, I mean, he, again, he has not been great. He has not been great, but he has not, he has not been in a position where I would expect a young quarterback to succeed. He's on his second system. This is a system that was devised for an 18-year veteran, right? So for it to work efficiently at its most efficient, you need to know the ins and outs that come with time. He was supposed to learn those, all right? He was trying to learn those. And then as soon as eight, as eight goes down, Aaron goes down, they throw that playbook out the window. And the creativity and the different things he was supposed to be able to do that he showed him 
flashes of here and there in the preseason or in the Chiefs game. It seemed like they just get away from him. And I get it. I mean, he's not been playing great, but look, I think the coaching has been a crime. I think if you want to make your way over to Nathaniel Hackett, now this is going to be the one that probably gets me flamed, and it is what it is, you know. <laughs> I actually think if you want to keep Nathaniel Hackett on board next year and it keeps Aaron Rodgers happy, because I tweeted the other day, you need to get him in a room right now, Aaron Rodgers, and you need to get his thoughts and you need to find out what that guy is willing to accept change-wise in order to come back. Because like you said, you have a ton invested in him right now, right? And I think he does have two good years of football left in him, right? If you look at his last two years that he won MVP in Nathaniel Hackett's system, 104 yards rushing, 120 yards rushing. So if you think I expect him to come out and be Lamar Jackson, you're crazy. Just navigate the pocket, extend a play when you need to. If things open up, you go get your six or seven and get down, and I'm good with that, right? But I think... If you want to bring Nathaniel Hackett back and you have a healthy Aaron Rodgers next year, Aaron Rodgers takes 90% of the responsibility off of Nathaniel Hackett's plate, right? So just let him sit there. If that makes Aaron Rodgers happy, right, he wants to come back and, and let Nathaniel – Aaron Rodgers is the de facto coordinator. We all know this, right? He makes the checks at the line. He kills plays and, and puts the offense in a good position to be successful. He's got that internal clock that comes from playing 18 years in the league where if he knows he's going to get heat up from – you know, uh, uh, in, uh, in, you know, uh, badly functioning offensive line, he's going to know to get the football out. So these are things that are making Nathaniel Hackett look incompetent right now that having Aaron Rodgers in completely fixes, right? Do I think he's going to be great? No. But do I think he needs to be great with a first ballot Hall of Famer under center running his offense, which I've seen him navigate to almost perfection to the tune of two uh, MVPs? I, I don't think he needs to be all that. So I think if Nathaniel Hackett's going to come back and just collect a paycheck and it makes Aaron Rodgers happy and he's motivated, guys, we haven't had a quarterback in 50 years. So for us to get, you know, to get greedy now and say, let him go. He came in. He he was the GM last year. He ruined everything. Whatever gets Aaron Rodgers back in his building motivated and gets his – I mean, even I think even for the receivers, having a guy like that, a presence like that in there is calming. And it brings the best out of players. Yeah, and also to add to your point, by the way, Chris, Aaron Rodgers, if he were to leave for any reason, not be on this roster, it's a $66 million cap hit for 2024. And if he were to leave before 2025, it would be a $49 million cap hit. So basically the Jets' only hope here is to get Aaron Rodgers back in the building healthy, hope that he can give them two good years, and then try to figure out where to go from there. Of course, maybe they can get another quarterback in the mid-rounds or something like that in the next year or two that they can build up behind Rodgers. I don't think there's any realistic possibility that they pick a quarterback in the first round for a million different reasons, but that's another discussion for another day. Chris Mano, who used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, Hofstra grad, and now working performance training with athletes. Very opinionated Jets fan as well. Glad to finally have him on the show. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. It was great having you, and I hope that you'll be able to come back on a more regular basis because I think you have a lot of really interesting thoughts to offer for those that want to follow you on social media, check out what you're doing. How can they do all that? Uh, probably type in my name is the easiest. Um, if you don't find that Mano steel 17, it's like my last name with a couple of underscores and my Jersey number. I was a big Superman fan growing up. So <laughs> Mano steel 17 on, on X and then I have an Instagram. Don't really mess around with it too much, but have at it if you if you you know see fit. 
Make sure you check out everything that Chris is doing on social media. Well worth your time, especially if you're a Jets fan. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com public.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com <laughs>